This is CliffCentral.com. Black life is not a color, it's a lifestyle on CliffCentral.com. Yeah, welcome to it. My name is Dimitri Masha and I am back on uh, Cliff Central. We are the show that's called Black Life. And uh, today I'm with my friend Katesh. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh, Katesh, am I saying it right? Well, Katesh. It's Kirtesh. Kirtesh. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't want to say it wrong because I know what it's like to have your name pronounced wrong for years and years. You know, people used to call me Timisho, Timaish. Tamishi, all sorts of wrong. It, it, it irks you, doesn't it? Irk you? Doesn't no, it, like it hasn't really. Yeah. I've, I've lived with it for so long, and that I've, I've, I've literally, I can hear both. So, okay. so, and I don't correct people because, you know, over time you get sort of used to it. All right, I'm not, I'm not as, I'm not as forgiving as you are, unfortunately. But nonetheless, a lot of interesting things have happened this week. Um, I never thought the day would come. Where Jacob Zuma would end up not only admitting that he's ready to pay back the money, but wanting to avoid going to court because of it. And, and the day finally came and went. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the court showed, the Concord, that actually Zuma should have just paid the money f- from the get go. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those those uh, surprising things of 2016. I mean, if you asked me in December, was that going to happen? I would have said no. And uh, and I I suppose when you run out of options, yeah, then then the first one is probably the better one. But you know what what's really interesting is had Mr. Zuma, the president, decided, you know what, guys, I hear what uh, um, Tuliman Donzella has said, the public protector. Um, there were some things that I didn't know about that you're going to build onto my house. And quite frankly, the whole thing was a ripoff operation. I mean, how does a pool that looks like that cost 2.5 million rands? Yes. But nonetheless, um, let's get the person who messed up and stole the money to go to jail. And in the meantime, I'll pay what I owe. Because he probably would have like gotten away with... If he just said, how about 2 million? Yes. Would've, everyone would have been like, yeah, great. Well done. Look, I think at the time, the focus was not on everything. You know, when it initially broke, you sort of heard about it. You didn't really go and see uh, what was out there. You heard about it. But I think as the story began to grow, mm. everyone started looking into everything. And literally then, as one, the saw, as one saw the images and as one started hearing, the, the, the story actually got, I suppose, as it grew, got more bizarre. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the rest of the, the country really got involved. And really, once you saw the images and you saw the response... Uh, then, then the result is obviously an outrage from everyone. That's the thing because once I think what was most outrageous was kind of feeling like you were being taken like a fool uh, as a member of the public. When Nkosi uh, Natinkleko went out there and he did that whole video about this whole fire pool yes. and, and what it was supposed to do when it was just a pool, right? Well, the thing is, once once the thing is bizarre and wrong, and you try and justify, it just gets worse and worse and worse That's because thing, because it? you've got to come up. With reasonings that you never thought you'd ever have to come up with. Now you're tasked with the responsibility to say, well, why do I have this? And now you've got to get creative and you've got to come up with reasons how it happened. And, and I think once, once the lies sort of started, it just escalated from there. And then everyone was focused on one thing. How do, how do I get this issue off my back? Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the biggest thing about when I saw the video, what, what really upset me wasn't the fact that there was an amphitheater, there was, a fire pool or a pool there was a kraal there was a visitor center all of that what upset me was the pool didn't look like anything special yes um the amphitheater i couldn't understand why it cost that much everything kind of just looked 
like it was made really badly yeah, for uh, the money that was spent. Exactly, and I even saw a bathtub out out in, in being used outside. You know, uh, it was so rural. It was like nobody cared. There were goats everywhere. There was one picture of a toilet where it was basically destroyed. And I absolutely. thought to myself, it's not that this thing looks luxurious. If it at least looked like a palace, I would say, okay, that's where our money went. Yes. But you couldn't even tell where the money went. Yeah. So, you, so you know that, that the, obviously the money was misspent even in the process of building yes, it. Exactly. So now Mr. Uh, President is in a bit of trouble, which yes. is unfortunate because there's the SONA tonight, um, the State of the Nation Address. And um, apparently uh, the EFF has said that now they're going to ask what happened uh, when Nene was fired Yes yeah, Because there's another issue I think I think there's, uh, South Africa is a place Where there is no shortage Of topics to pick on Man We, we know how to create Controversy If, if, if anything Out of nothing Out of nothing <laughs> I think you don't have to wait Too long as a journalist I think I think you no. wait One or two weeks And there's a new issue The on controversy the, on will come to you <laughs> Absolutely I, I always say like um, You know Being in the public eye No matter what kind of publicity I get If I get some bad publicity On a Sunday I'm like It doesn't matter just give it two days. Correct. Someone will do something far worse than me. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think, I think that's also used as a strategy, by the way. Yeah. So, so I think we have one major crisis. And then to try and get everyone's attention out of that crisis, we can create another one to yeah. sideline yeah. you, to focus yeah. on another thing. <laughs> so we, we're good at creating crisis too. You know, just as we were celebrating, or, or, or if you will, you know, Gareth Cliff going up against multi-choice and winning, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just before that, that has even gone away. And, and that whole picture, I don't know if you saw the picture. There was a meme out with Gareth and Dali walking past this homeless man in a dustbin. Yes, I did. There was a whole bunch of controversy about that, like white privilege uh, and, and, and black excellence. Yes, and then, yes. you know, the disparity. And just before we, we could even discuss that, right. we were onto something new. Exactly. I think, I think that's, that's the way we, we roll. I mean, we literally find images anywhere and we create, create stories. That's we make them up yeah. sometimes. Okay. And it flies. It seems to fly. But something interesting, something interesting has happened in your life. Um, my brother went into business recently. Yeah. About two years ago. And one of the things that he complains about the most in business is when you hire people. In this yes, country Yes Especially permanent employees Right How difficult it is To get rid of them If they're not suitable I'm, I'm not sure. talking about they're, they're just Maybe just Lazy Or Not really great at their job Or insubordinate I'm talking about If you catch someone Stealing even You can't just Fire them on the spot You have to warn them first Go through the whole disciplinary uh, hearing and, and try to rehabilitate them. How difficult is it in South Africa at the moment to, to, to hire and fire? Look, I think, I think South Africa has got some, some labor laws that are quite stringent on small business. I think, I think the reason they're stringent on small business is because it's reliant on process. And small business generally is lean and mean and they don't have the, all the processes in place. But I think, I think an example that you said, I think if, if, if you have the policies in place and, and you, and you can define what, what is a dismissible offense and what isn't and stealing and those kinds of things, if it's proved and not just an accusation or a feeling that you have, um, you can. But I think where it becomes a little more, uh, tricky or harder, Mm-hmm. Is, is when you have people who are not performing necessarily at the level that they should be, but they sort of, sort of do some of the things well and some of the things badly. And I think then it's a process. Then it's a lengthy process and it involves the first, first step is a verbal, 
sort of discussion that then and then you've got to do a couple of things you've got to ensure that the person you've you've employed uh, I mean it's ludicrous you've you, you've employed someone to do a function but you've got to go through a process by mm. by having a counseling session that says uh, are you aware that these are your roles and, and they need to agree okay. to that so so let's take it from the and then you, and then you have to say well to do your role do you need any training? And, and ah, then, and then you but, have to go through a training process. But you've hired this person. So that's what, I, that's why I want to take it from the beginning, right? right? Let's say I'm opening up a business. Sure. And I uh, intend on hiring some people. Right. The first thing is make sure that in the employment contract. Right. There are key performance indicators. Yes. Right. And those have to be fulfilled. Absolutely. Number one. Number two. Probably start with an employment contract of sorts. To, yeah, to, yeah, that to would start help, off right? the relationship. <laughs> that, that should be where it should start. There's mean? some kind are, of contract. Are some, are some people just going out there going, hey, you know what? You were great in the interview. See you on Monday. Absolutely. That's how it really works. I mean, if you're a small business and you meet somebody and you, and you think they could help you, generally that's where it starts. People in small, when you're a small business, you don't have this huge HR department looking for people. Yeah. You generally then start with people you know. And, and sometimes you make bad, Gut feel decisions that that sometimes you employ friends and family, and it can really become messy. I mean, without a contract, though, I mean that's a little bit irresponsible. I mean, I even if you are a very small business, the fact of the matter is you can employ one person. You can afford to like ask a friend or go into the net and find an employment contract. Surely. Absolutely. But the number of times I've heard of situations where people don't have a contract, obviously, if you don't have a contract, you go back to the basic conditions of employment, which does exist. I mean, that's, a, that's the part of the laws of the country. Mm. But, but the number of people in small business that haven't got an employment contract, I mean, I've seen it all the time. I mean, yeah, I've hired yeah. a friend or a friend of a friend's <laughs> recommendation. And normally it starts off, well, somebody's going to be helping me out. Yeah. We haven't quite defined how much I'm going to pay you. What? Have, absolutely. So, so people have conversations and their expectations are completely different. And, Someone comes and, to work and they don't know how much they're going to get paid at the end of the month. Well, the problem is initially when you're starting a business, there's this excitement and euphoria of doing something new. And then yeah. you, you sort of get somebody in who's going to help you do this something new. Yeah. And, and, and you build and you start off like that. And you all have to be lean and mean because you don't have the budget. You literally got, got, uh, you know, funds that you might have saved. Mm, mm, mm. And, and that's what you're going to roll with. And in fact, I find that the, one of the biggest mistakes that uh, people who are opening their small business make is, Almost making the other person feel like they're a shareholder in the business as opposed to an employee. Yes. When things are, when things are that unclear. Absolutely. It's like, Come on, let's just work together. I like, Correct. I like how we, we do this thing. And then, you know, a couple of months later, it's like, it's awkward. It does. It is. I mean, the typical thing is you start something, you have a very loose understanding. You're nearly working with people you know. And then you land a major contract and then there's an expectation that wait a second, I'm part of this. I'm, I'm part of your first two employees. So we, we, we should we at least 50, share 50, it. Man. Exactly. <laughs> we should be sharing in the upside all of a sudden. So, 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 so it does happen. It, absolutely. And then all of a sudden is it, is it was the relationship more? Who said what? Was the emails exchanged? And it, and it does become a bit of a. That can become very point. nasty though. It can become very nasty because now suddenly then you have to go to court and prove that there were emails sent that someone said yeah. we were in business together as opposed to I'm just hiring you as an employee sort of yes, thing, right? Yes. I mean, uh, let me, let me give you an example. I've, I've seen some mature businesses have the same problem. 
people have been working in a certain way for a very long time. Uh, nothing's really been written and until it gets no. later as the, as the business matures and somebody wants to exit, somebody says, uh, you know, I want to retire and I no. want to do something else. And now all of a sudden you, you need to then find out how do we value our shares? I mean, how, how much do I give you for your share? And, and, and then someone yeah. says, well, I've contributed more than you and I've really sacrificed and you spent half the time that I did. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. so, so whether it's, it's, it's someone starting out and, in some cases, some some mature businesses and family-owned businesses where where it's difficult to have an employee. I mean, let, let me talk to you about a family-owned one because that's yeah. that's real. Yeah, that happens. You know, yeah. I mean, imagine you 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 bring in your son, okay, and oh. he begins <laughs> to build your business for you, all right. Mm. So he's working there, he's contributing with the understanding that look, you know, essentially it should be mine. Mm. Mm. And then you get to to an advanced age. And then you say to your son, well, if I leave the business, I need money to to pay for myself when I'm not working. And then all of a sudden, the son says, what do you mean? I've got to pay you? But I thought I was a shareholder anyway. And it, it becomes a tricky discussion mm. that, that all of a sudden, well, actually, you're not really the owner. I am. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I employed you. Thanks for your hard work. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be where we are. But I really did employ you. Correct. I really did start this business. But here's the thing, right? We're going back to the basics then. Yeah. The difference between a shareholder and an employee is that if you employ me to be in your business, you are taking all the risk. Yes. That's why 10 years from now, you can say, well, um, I deserve the shares. Correct. So on and so forth. But then the risk must mean that you pay me. Correct. There needs to be a fair uh, remuneration or salary for what you are doing. And and this is where it becomes really, really blurred. In that in that sometimes when you're starting out, you're not paying a fair salary. You're That's paying right. somebody under what is market rate. And the only way you can do that because you have this understanding that you're going to build this great business. And at some point, things are going to level out. Mm. But that normally means that, that you're almost said to somebody that, that you're going to share in the equity in lieu of not getting a salary or not getting what is market what, what, related, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. So, so, so that becomes the thing. I've seen the inverse happen where, where, where sometimes you don't draw the line between a shareholder and employee. Mm. And, and so what happens, the main shareholder is the highest paid employee <laughs> in the business, right? Yeah, yeah. Leaving very little for everybody else. And he still got the shares. And he still got the shares. So when he sells some of the shares, he still then decides, well, I'm still the MD and therefore I must continue to carry, to have this large salary, right? Wow. Because I, I, I am the CEO and yeah, my salary yeah, has always yeah. been pegged at a certain amount. But yeah. when you're a hundred percent owner of that, that's okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because yeah. that's you paying yourself. Mm. But I think when you involve other people, it changes a bit. Mm. And, mm. and then you now got to understand that we, things need to balance and whoever's the new shareholders or whoever you bring in, they've got to share too. Mm. So, so I think this issue about sorting things out, uh, through some legal agreement or well thought out process is, is sorts most of that out, but we don't do it in reality. Uh, it's, it's a shame. I, I suppose maybe it's one of those things that you go into business hoping for the best because if you want to go into business, you have to be quite an optimist yes. one way or the other. But the thing is, even as an optimist, you have to get your checks and balance. You have to cross out those T's and dot those I's, man. Yeah. Yeah, at I the beginning at, of the whole the business, beginning. right? But it, but it, it is, that's exactly right. But the people who start businesses are normally creative. They found a new idea. They're inventors. They're people who found a gap and not necessarily people who are going to focus on admin. So, mm, so mm, those, mm. those creative minds or 
independent thinkers or risk takers as such, this is part of the risk is 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 they don't normally go down to the finer detail and set that up initially. It's only later when things begin to either become successful or things don't work out that, yes. that there's all of a sudden a feeling of, you know, I wasn't fairly remunerated or, or, or I didn't get uh, a, a decent enough stake for my contribution. Mm, it's a hard mm. discussion that. Yeah. So I guess uh, yo, you've sobered me up right now. I'm just like, <laughs> Listen, it shouldn't, stop you, it shouldn't stop you. It shouldn't stop you from starting. Exactly, it shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't stop you from starting a business. But but the one thing I'd like to say to people mm. that there is, they should separate the two: shareholdership on one level, shareholders agreement on employment level. Employees, you have to have a, a, an employment agreement, and they two should be separated and defined. They get yeah. when they get blurry. That's when when That's real when things problems. go, go absolutely. Go but but here's the thing: we were talking about um, an employment agreement, um, and the first thing that it should have is KPIs, and then from there it should have definites. Where if you do this, you will definitely be fired. Yes, you can have those things. Well, you can you can have have those things, but normally the, what what companies would do would have an employment agreement, which really. Would, would meet all expectations in terms of the employment, um, uh, acts and all of that. So you'd, you, you know, basic conditions of employment. So you'd, yeah. you'd comply with all of that. But I think what then they would have to do is have certain policies of the company, which everybody should, should also adhere to. And in those policies, you'll define, uh, various things and various conducts and, and various expectations. And, and that's where then you can measure someone against. And then KPIs also come under that. So in other words, you'll say, well, the problem of putting KPIs in your employment agreement is every time you change them, you can't change the employment agreement. So understand. So if you've written huh? an, yeah. So if you've written an employment agreement and you've yeah. set a KPI for somebody. So, so maybe that's relevant for, for the next two years. But mm. in year three, you want to change the KPIs. You mm. don't want to redo the employment agreement to change that one clause that oh. defines. So that's the reason you sort of separate them. So you say, here's your terms, uh, the, the, the context. Terms exactly. Yeah. But part of that, you're going to adhere to KPIs and those may change over time. So for example, when you're starting out, you may say, well, a salesperson, you need to sell a million rands worth of, of product. But that would be under KPIs, right? Correct. Exactly. But mm. next, year as your business is growing you can't sell 1 million anymore your target's actually 5 million so you don't want to have that in an employment agreement that every single time you change something you need to rewrite you need to resign an employment mm. agreement mm. so that mm. that's the reason we try and keep or companies keep them separately but here's the thing i mean in in my line of work you sign a, a contract every year it's a year on year contract yes why do companies not sign year on year contracts in that way even if you're a permanent employee is the uh, assumption that when, when you got hired, the first time when you got hired, um, and you're a permanent employee until you get fired, whenever that is, basically this is what you do. And Correct. It there there, along there is an assumption, as you said, everyone is an optimist. So there's an assumption that your business will continue into the future and it should grow and, and, and prosper and, and hire more people. That's, that's the expectation when you're starting out. I think when you, when you, when you, when you're in a line of business that's project related. So in other words, it's a defined period. Mm-hmm. Then, then the contracts will match up. So in other words, yeah. you defi- you'll hire somebody for the period of the project, in your case, it could be something in the arts or movie or whatever. Yeah, film and television, I uh, suppose. In, in the consulting space, could be, you know, building a power station for Eskom, in which case you might as well sign one for the rest of your life because yeah. that's how long it's it going to last forever. Correct. Is but, that a good but thing I mean, or a bad thing, though, for, for a company like 
like let's say you're you're in a company that does that sort of thing and well it's a contract that was supposed to last three years and it ends up lasting 10 years you you're made aren't you i think i think in that case you are the, the the worst case is when you're assuming three and it lasts for one. Yes, so so that's, so, that's, so that's, that's the one you don't want. The one the one for three that lasts for ten and it yeah. continually goes up and needs more people. That's the one you really want. I mean, mm, you're essentially mm. growing, you're making more money, and it's continually being renewed because things are taking at any time. I mean, absolutely, who wouldn't want a contract like that? Do they still happen? They happen all the time, all the time. I think ongoing. That's 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 the 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 fundamental way of working is that there's always a hope when you've signed the initial one that there's a follow-on. Yes, you know, that right? Mm. That let's let's see. And if there isn't a follow-on, you are busy scouting the organization to find the next thing because exactly. you're keeping you in there. You're talking to executives. You you, you almost have inside knowledge, and then mm. you're positioning mm. for the next thing. So I think I think in the case of 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 people in that kind of Industry, they're always looking for the next one to be able to move people from one project to the next. I mean, that's that's yeah. the, the you wouldn't want to have one project that you just come to an end and then you close down because you got to spend time. You know, that's that's not the ideal. No, it's not because uh, then you have to start again as a business. Look, uh, things that happen in South Africa, frankly, I think there's some companies that one project is it. I think some people are retired on one project. So, mm. so I think if Vengandla you Vengandla project, uh, <laughs> if, if that architect had gotten away with it, correct, you retired on it. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, we used to have this term in the old days was Project Mauritius. And what it meant is when you scored the big one, you're going to take a yeah. holiday in Mauritius, right? So yeah. we always were looking out for the Project Mauritius project. project. Mauritius, right. Because, but I think the ones that you can get in South Africa seems to be Project Retirement because yeah. you do one and, and you've probably made enough money to, to literally live anywhere in the world. I mean, I'm thinking about eTolls. Oh, I mean, you I launch that, that, you get paid, that, and, and you're done. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're hurting my feelings because <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't apply for the tender, but exactly. I think I should have. You should have something, eh? exactly. But here's the thing: um, what happened to you this week was, in your own business, you had a, a little bit of a, how do we call it? You, you had to basically decide whether you're going to get rid of an employee or not. Um, how did that go? No, I think I think it's 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 not. I don't think it was uh, deciding. I think it 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 uh, was considering what are the options. So yeah. we, it wasn't a decision factor, but it's but just from a from a uh, an employer point of view, is it's always a tough decision. You know, it's always yeah. you got to give people the benefit of the doubt, and you've got to to essentially um, you know review the facts, and that that's what it really means. It's never an easy exercise. Let me let me tell you, you review the facts. You you then have to ask yourself, funda- as I said before, fundamental questions. Yeah. You know, d- was the person adequate? Did they have enough training? Is yeah. is there other reasons for for why someone look? Somebody may come to work, and and there may be external factors that that cause a problem. And like those, what? those may, for example, a death in the family. Fair enough. Um, okay. You know, you have I traumatic see. circumstances where somebody, a child may be sick. Uh, you have a situation where somebody. Could become ill, or just heard they, they've they've been diagnosed with cancer, and that could influence performance uh, of the person. So, so the idea then is 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 not to to look at the situation, not make a preconceived uh, judgment, but to understand what ha- what has happened 
that that has changed the normal behavior or performance? Has something happened? And in that circumstance, you have to be understanding. And that's where the law is right, where mm. you have to be a little understanding. Of course. The inverse of that is that if you then do a review and an investigation and, you, and, and, and you've given people chances and you find out actually, no, there's something else that, that has actually happened where somebody has maybe stolen something or, or some other or somebody else maybe, for example, passing business to a competitor or, or is engaged that, in illegal activity on cool. your on your premises that you don't really know is happening. Th- that's when the law then kicks in, and you have to look at your 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 policies, and then you have to make tough. T- at the end of the day, I think anybody who who dismisses anyone, it's it's a tough decision. I mean, I don't it's know about painful. you. I did it when I was 22, uh, 20, not 22, about probably 25, 26. Uh, I was involved in a retrenchment in the early days of. I suppose computers, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't need you didn't need a huge accounting departments. You you yeah. you had a computer that and and Excel spreadsheets that were doing mm. a lot of things. Mm. But it's a hard it's a hard decision to to make that choice. But so ultimately, you, you had to fire someone at twenty five, or you were fired at twenty five. No, no, no. At twenty five, <laughs> at twenty five, uh, I was financial manager somewhere. So so I had to make the oh yeah. The, my first task for a new company was to downsize the finance department. Wow. So how did you decide, like, who was going to go and who was going to stay? I, I think you you eventually run through the the roles and responsibilities, and you decide, um, given the new technological developments and given uh, what we're doing, who actually. So you don't need three bookkeepers; you need one. Uh, you don't. Yeah, need but out three. of those three, how do you decide which I, two I think, are going? I, I think you'd you'd have to look at their performance and and ultimately select and and as much as anyone. Or the says, ones you like the most. It ultimately, it does, it does come down to not necessarily like the most, the ones that you believe you could work with, the ones you think are committed, the ones you think that, that, uh, you know, you can at least, uh, develop and carry on and, and, and who is, who are possibly gonna, gonna stay the longest. So, so you, you, there's a lot of permutations to how do you choose, but it kept me up at nights, I can tell you. I mean, people were older than me. Yeah, you know, I was I was a young guy, so yeah, you were so kind uh, of starting your career. I was starting my career, my first uh, out of articles uh, corporate job. So so it's it's a hard decision. I had sleepless nights because I, I the, the the thing that goes through your mind is like, you know, I'm responsible for asking someone to leave. They have a family. Uh, they're not expecting this to come, uh, except you're also. Working on orders, right? So, so if a board's decided this is going to happen, you get your instructions and it's so on. And, uh, it did keep me up at night. It was a very How hard time. How did it go time. though? When, when, when you went through it, the actual experience? Look, I think the, the actual experience was very clinical. Mm-hmm. Personally, I was, it, it, if, 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 uh, I, I looked at some people who, who, if I just, I, the thought that was going through my mind yeah. is this could be my mother. <laughs> and I'm having the discussion <laughs> with somebody to say, well, your role is redundant. And, ex- yeah. and I think we can explain them in really nice terms and, and, but basically and use what these. Is, is but the bottom line the is. The job is finished. It, correct. That's the bottom line. From and next I, month, exactly. you can't come here. So you anymore. stick to. So you know what happens? You stick to process. You stick to this is what's decided. This is how it's going to work. This is, you know, your years of service. Mm. Mm. This is how we're going to calculate what the. Uh, you know, redundancy or yeah, pay would severance be, package. severance package would be, yeah. and, and you go through this, this, uh, this, this process, but it's never easy though. No, I can't it's imagine. It's never easy. Um, you know, so, so, so that was when, I mean, that was, that was at least, uh, now to nearly 15, 20 years ago. 
Well, you know, that, that happened to me when I was 25 where I actually got retrenched. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? For my first job. Wow. So you were on the other side of the other other side of the chair. I was retrained from channel O. And was it shock? Did you expect expect something to happen? I, I didn't see it coming. Really? You know, at all. Suddenly they just decided we're gonna downsize. Right. Um we thought this was gonna be amazing and it was gonna work out this way, but it didn't work out that way. So uh, these are the people that are going, and I was one of them. And um, it was quite painful, you know, the, the thought of, I've just started this work, you know, it's like maybe a year and a half in, and, and you get used to earning a salary, it's nice, you know, uh, and then realizing that I'm going to be unemployed going forward. What do I do now? Right, right. Um, but it was great in the end, because um, it teaches you that uh, life is about changes. Yes. And you can never be... Too secure in anything Whether There's no such thing as a secure job uh, Everything is in flux Anything can change at any point And what's that done for me is It made me realize that I'm working for tomorrow But I'm doing it all today Right. So anything right. can change today But today I've already got other things That I'm working on for tomorrow Just in case today it does change And of course that's not foolproof um, nothing actually works out like you hope it will in real sure, life. Sure, sure. But it, it, it just helps you sleep better at night without worrying about your job or having to play that game Look, um, I think that I, people I, play in the corporate world, you know? Absolutely. I think I think what you realize is very early on, and it's, I'm glad, it, I think in a, in a way, when it happens early on, you begin to think of things differently. Mm. Then when, it, when it's going along and you've been employed for 20, 30 years, and then it happens. I think I think that uncertainty is is terrible. Um, but yeah, especially twenty thirty years, you've exactly. Been in one company. You've been in one place, and yeah. and that was that was very familiar years ago. At the moment, it's not. People are changing more often. Yeah. But the only way to really you know get a raise or, or get a better salary is to move around, isn't it? It is. Um, well, there's two thoughts on that. The one is is that if you if you have the skills and you can move around to get a thing, and you need an organization that's not recognizing you, that is the way to go. Um, the other side is that in certain financial services, uh, the longer you stay, you end up being the only person there, and, and by default, you almost become director. So I've seen, I've seen that happen in certain people who ah. stuck to the auditing profession for 20, 30 years. Saying. Eventually, they last man standing. Correct, because everybody else is moving around. You have committed. You spent, and also the also the idea of becoming an expert, right? So if you've been at something for long enough. 10,000 hours or it comes to mind at doing Especially one thing. One company, right? Correct. You become the expert and, and you become good at it and you, and you will, will by default, you know, uh, excel and, and be promoted. So, so there's two, two levels. So if it's happening for you and you being promoted and it's, you're being recognized, um, there's something to be said about being in certain organizations. But if it's not and you need to, to then move and look at other options, uh, you should do that too. You shouldn't be scared. Okay, but I think the, the the bottom line is you must always think about what it is that your strategy is going to be. At least have a strategy. Yeah. Um, that even if it fails, you had a strategy as opposed to hoping that you are the last man standing. Exactly. Um, because exactly. you might not be. You know? People don't think about it normally, right? So people yeah. just by default, by doing nothing, have, have really got to a point. And you ask, I didn't realize you've been in that company for 20 years. But you only realize once they've reached the top spot, right? Yeah. That's the first time you say, geez, this guy is the CEO. How long has he been there? And then you realize he actually has been there for a, pretty, a long time. And yeah. he's been plugging away and he's achieved success. Okay. You know? I mean, what? Well, we're going to come back. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about... What it's really like to let someone go. It's happened to me. It wasn't pleasant. This is CliffCentral.com.
we have all given the special lady in our lives a gift that she might not have loved as much as we expected she would. Don't leave it to chance this Valentine's Day. Spoil her with a genuine piece of Pandora jewelry, a unique gift that she will cherish forever from only 399 Rand. Visit Pandora.net to locate your nearest store or follow them on Facebook at Pandora South Africa and take the guesswork out of gifting. Black life is not a color, it's a lifestyle on cliffcentral.com. Okay, so we're back and we're talking about what it's actually like to let someone go. Um, that happened to me uh, two years ago. Uh, and, and you know, employing someone is very much like starting a new relationship. She was perfect in the beginning. Yes. She was just right. The only thing my wife had a problem with when I hired her yeah. is she thought I was paying her too much. But I, I just felt like I, I'm tired of people being exploited and I didn't want to be an exploitative uh, a manager or employee or employer, sorry. So I hired this really nice lady uh, to be my PA and secretary uh, and I was paying her quite well. And uh, at first, the first, I'd say three, two, six months, she was great. She Absolutely. work on time. Yes. Motivated. She motivated. She was always trying to do some work and, and find ways to help the business grow and, and, and all those. But from then on, something kind of changed and... I started to hear more about her personal problems. Yes. The fact yes. that she was a single mother and, and her children's father. You know, there were issues every, every Monday. The guy was yeah. supposed to have paid school fees, but he didn't. So she couldn't drop the kids off. And that's why she was late. Those are, those are the personal things that affect performance. You so know, what personal life is, is in, a, in, a, in disarray and therefore it does influence performance. I hear you. But then suddenly it was like, all aspects of a personal life. There were more aunts and uncles dying um, from that six-month period than 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 I, I thought people could have aunts and uncles. I mean, every other weekend uh, was an aunt or an uncle dying or, or, or passing away or going to hospital. Um, but what I found was it was strange because in the beginning those issues weren't there. Exactly. And then suddenly, now that she's comfortable and employed yes those issues were there fortunately i had a, a, a one year on year contract with yes, and, yes and i made it quite clear and, and we signed a full contract everything was there what was expected uh, right. how long the the, the 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 period would be and after of course uh, a year then we would review and and renew from there um in the end i think by the time that it was time for me to let her go and this is where things really get complicated. I mean, she was coming to work maybe twice or three times a week at best in wow. the last okay. three so, months. So really, employment. really wasn't wasn't uh, paying attention to her job, really taking liberties, and there was excuses. There, there the was way. excuses all the way. Um, it just got to a point where I even stopped calling to find out where she was when she didn't pitch up. She would yes. come to work if she does or she, she, she wouldn't if she didn't. But is that not a function where she got comfortable and she thought, well, there's leeway here. You know, you were probably... Not as strict, perhaps, or, or... I guess I just got to a point where I got tired of... I don't know if it's uh, that micromanagement. Yes. I, I realized yes. that I wasn't built for that every day, having to tell people, why are you late again? Having to ask you, having to try to... You know, you try all the stages. You try cajoling. You yes. try joking about it. You try pretend you're upset about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, all those things, and you realize this is not really going to change. But here's the question for you. Did you then go through a process to to engage her formally, sit down, not happy, 
I did actually We went through a process Where we sat down And I explained to her That these are the things I'm not happy with And yes. if they don't change You know your contract Is coming up for renewal And it won't be renewed Okay Okay They changed for Perhaps three weeks And then things went back To the way they were It was very cl- close To the time that our contract Was supposed to be renewed anyway Yes Yes And There were also other things Other issues were um, where, where she worked What was her office Was essentially my home Right Right. So suddenly we were having issues where her and the domestic would have these conversations <laughs> and suddenly my wife would be complaining that the domestic has got these ideas <laughs> because my PA is telling her stuff about, you know, my personal stuff. Exactly. And now the domestic feels, why am I not yeah. getting this? So, and so blah, the boundaries, blah. the boundaries got crossed. There's all sorts of, I mean, these, these are all sorts of things. But here's the thing. By the time the contract was up for renewal and I decided that I wasn't renewing, yes. she was now four months pregnant. Aha. So I'm like, what do I do? Yeah, because I think, I think that becomes now an emotional decision. You know, you obviously, it's not a, I mean, a business decision would be not renew the contract. It's not really working for us. But now all of a sudden it brings a new dynamic where, where you almost feel obligated uh, to keep someone because of a, of a situation that has changed. Exactly. Here's a single mother with two children about mm. to have a third child and I can't keep her. But at a certain point, you're going to have to say, well, people need to take responsibility for their own actions. Yeah. Right. And so so those kinds of things almost shouldn't have an influence on you, re- really. Um, and and that's where it's hard because you're human beings after all, and mm. you do and mm. you do sometimes think with your heart, and and that's where it it, it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a challenge. But yeah, but definitely. ultimately, you need to say, well, you're doing one thing, and you you're doing it in the most responsible mm. way you can, and you're managing a business, and you have to make the right decisions for the business, mm. and mm. and sometimes business decisions are hard. Right, and then the other decision is you as an individual need to take responsibility for what happens to you, mm. and if and if you haven't performed and you haven't heeded the warnings and you've made you've consciously made decisions to not work, to not show up, to be unreliable, and and unfortunately those are the consequences of your actions. So so you need to then be impartial and fair and separate things and and actually look at each thing and ultimately come out with a with a decision that is good for you but also realizing that that it might be a hard decision one that 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 you don't like making yeah but but as a as a person as an employer you have to make the tough decisions because you're not only thinking about uh, a particular person you're thinking about an organization you're thinking about other people you're thinking about uh you know where is your business going to go what what uh, things you need to do that this person was responsible for that that they aren't doing. The and thing is, and, and and with all the things that you're saying now, I, I thought to myself, I think maybe it was a fortunate thing that the company was so small that she was really the only employee. I can imagine if there were 20 employees yeah, and she was just different. one of them. Yes. And we were doing okay. We could carry her along yes, for yes, another year. Yes. I probably would have renewed her contract. You know that has positives and negatives because because you know if somebody is 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 not suited for a position and becomes negative, they could actually influence other people in your organization. Mm. In other words, you may have other people who are really working hard, pulling their weight, going mm. the extra mile, doing what it takes, mm. and then you got somebody who's not doing that. Yes, and and they're both getting remunerated equally. Yeah, uh, it it then has an influence because then eventually the other. 
people in your organization feel that why should feel, I do the same thing? Why right? should I do the same thing? And I think oh. it does have ramifications for the organization as a whole. And and it's not just case by case basis. You you would consider uh, your entire business when you consider decisions like that, and, and ultimately you have to make the tough, tough decision in that, in that sort of place. Carrying somebody is never really the good idea um, in that because I think it has other implications, which okay. which are tough. Okay. So in your experience, you think that when when the chips are really down and you have to make a tough decision, it's best to go with. The decision that that might seem tough at the beginning, but is best for the whole organization. Absolutely. I mean, somebody said to me once, you know, when 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 a soccer team goes on the field, you know, there's eleven players, right? Mm. And if you take one player out, they're not going to go on the field, and not, their chances of winning is that much lower. Yeah. It's a similar thing in business. You you got to go out there with your strongest team. And, and, and you don't want people who, oh my, you know, my goalkeeper's not that great. He doesn't move. He's, he's, let him sit on the corner there and, and the rest of us will have to work that much harder to make sure the ball doesn't get to him <laughs> Just, because, because he's really crap. <laughs> because he's really bad and he's not going to save anything. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so the rest of us are going to yeah, have to work true. that that's much true. harder. That's true. So the question is, if you look at it like that, you need everybody in the team. Yeah, working with a common purpose. Because right? at the end of the day, I mean, if you put that analogy out there, and, and, I, and I, you know, huge soccer fan, I love playing soccer. Actually, um, the striker's job is to score goals. Correct. Now, if you have a, a very bad goalkeeper, the striker will end up actually defending. Correct. You're going to have your entire team defending. Yeah. And so no and making, scoring goals. Nobody's they're scoring. They're stopping. They're trying to because they know once it gets past me, <laughs> this is an on goal situation, right? Yeah, so, that's true. So, so, <laughs> so therefore, I see. we don't want to carry the goalkeeper, yeah. you know, let yeah. alone if he's yeah. not moving, he's sluggish, he can't save anything, hmm. he's got butterfingers or whatever he has. Yeah. The question is, you need all 11 players on song <laughs> and the best team possible when uh, you confront and that's business unfortunately you need the best team i can just hear all our black listeners out there going ah now i get it <laughs> <laughs> like me <laughs> once you did the soccer analogy um but we were also going to talk a little bit about um when you do start your business yeah <clears throat> deciding what business to choose is is, is quite a difficult thing because it is. Is, is is it about what you're good at only like I'm really good at making shoes. But does that mean that's the business that I should be going into? Well, it's, it, I often have, uh, you get asked that kind of question. And I always say it, it, it's about the analysis of who you are. And, and, and the, what I mean, the analysis of who you are, is, is people often try and find an idea or, or try to do a business that, 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 and they haven't looked at themselves in reality. They look okay. at other people and they say, oh, so and so is doing well in this business. Funeral parlors and, are, are a good example. Is, is a good example. I mean, I, I use that as well sometimes. Funeral parlors. And, and if I use it on myself, certain of us are comfortable in that environment mm-hmm. and can do that work because it, it fits our identity. And Now, if I had to open a funeral parlor and somebody phoned me up at one o'clock in the morning and saying, I need to open up and I need to take a body in, mm. there is no way. I'm leaving my house. <laughs> I am not going there to open up, okay. you know, and, okay, but, and, and but, so, so, so it's because that, that doesn't suit me and what I, what I can do. But, but this but that's idea. That's a funeral party thing. Would, would you be, would you be cool if someone phoned you at that time of the morning to say, there is this, I don't know, spreadsheet we need to do? Would, would you then get excited and say, okay, 
that sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I, I'm a very different person, so I'd say <laughs> that sounds like fun. But let's take this up at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> all right, all right, so I'd right. defer it to, to a normal okay. time. But what I'm saying about understanding yourself is each one of us is made up differently. Mm. All the experiences. I mean, if you look at a cut a tree, and all the rings are very different from every different tree. So yeah. I often look at people and say, "That's really you." Each one of those little rings is different, right? So mm. you were born somewhere. You had experiences as a childhood. You went to school somewhere. You had experiences in university. Or you had a work-life experience. It's all different. So out of all that, that really is the makeup of you. But but that says, okay, this is me from a skills, experience, knowledge point of view. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of you which you really know. And that is, who am I really? When I'm at home and I'm pretending to sing in front of the mirror and 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 and, and I have these. So in other words, I. I'm comfortable with, with presenting myself and I, and they, and people have those secret times where they know exactly who they are. So they won't necessarily tell everybody about it. They pretend to be something else in the workplace, but they know who they are. And so you need to take those factors into account that listen, I actually don't like talking to people or I like talking to people or I'm very good at this thing and I, and keeps me awake at night and I'm excited. And I'm so that the whole real makeup of you and what you like and dislike and what motivates you to do something when other people won't do needs to be taken into account when deciding what kind of business you could potentially do. Because for example, if you, if you don't like meeting people and don't like presenting things in front of a board, there's no way you should become a consultant or an advisor of sorts okay. because it's going to require you to do that. So those influences, so the idea has to resonate with who you truly I are see. because then, one, you must have the skill to do it Yes. Okay. because there's no way you can be good at something if you don't know how to do it. Can we just look at that for a second? You were yeah. talking about people who sing in front of the mirror in the shower. If you're really good at presenting in front of the mirror, that doesn't necessarily mean you're good no, no, at it, presenting. No, it doesn't. But what it does do it says, if I'm thrown in the position, will I make the effort to improve that there skill? You go. And I will be driven because I have this belief in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. I can do this. There you go. So I will spend more time making sure I learn this and do this than anyone else. Like now, somebody that. else who's never going to do that, the first opportunity they get to stand in front of an audience and do this, they're going to run. Mm, okay, mm, and they're mm. going to run as far away from that as possible, and they never want to go. And they will never want to go back. Yeah. And that's unfortunately when you choose a business, is that they're going to be ups and downs. Okay, so when the downs come, the person who has an affinity to the to what they're doing yes. will go through the aches and pains and come out on the other side. The person who really doesn't doesn't fit them. And what they're going to do, they're not going to have that commitment. They're going to basically say, this is too hard for me. I don't need this. I'm going to do something else. And they're going to be the first ones to bail out of that situation. Which means you've wasted a lot of resources and time starting a business that you're just going to leave behind. Correct. Because you don't have that additional energy or passion or whatever you want to call it to to move to the next level. But if you see yourself in your mind and you believe that, wait, I, I believe I can do this, you're going to go and try it. And when, it, when, when at first you may not make it, you make a complete fool of yourself like most of us have in mm. the early days of, of whatever we were doing. We made complete mistakes and we, we really, if you look back, you cringe when you think about how you did things. But you carried on. And that's something that made you carry on. And that's the thing that, that I sometimes, people ask you, what is your passion? And I, I, you know, I find it very difficult to identify a passion, mm. I mean, you know? Are you one of those, I mean, there are people who, whose passion is just the business of business, uh, whether it's just the making money part of it or the day-to-day 
business of business, whatever business that is, the intricacies of any business. Are you one of those people who loves business for business sake or is it about what kind of business I'm in? You know, I'm, if you ask me, I'm, I'm a natural sort of advisor. Uh, of okay. So I, I enjoy the business of advising, looking business as a topic and how to make money fascinates me. Yes. Uh, whether I'm making the money or not, it, it's not important, mm. but I like looking at it from a, from a point of view. How could it improve? What could things be done? It's something that happens naturally. So, so when I go around and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sitting, I was in Cape Town recently and I got off the plane and I asked myself, well, well, how come there isn't a locker here where I could leave my car keys, fly out somewhere else, come back, uh, or somebody else fly in, pick up the keys, use my car, uh, or somebody could leave a car for me mm. and I would be, I mean, those are the kind, so that's me walking through the airport. Mm. So, mm. so I'm a, a person who, who, who believes business can be used to create wealth, change, employment, all of those things that really fundamentally, and all of us, yeah. Every single person, the whole world, professionals, non-professionals, those are in, are in a business of some sort, yeah. right? Whether you're employed, you're in a business. Yes. Uh, whether you own it, you own a business. So it's, it's all run on principles of whatever you are, there's an organization making money. You may not feel that way. You may sit in a legal department and say, well, I'm just checking contracts. But ultimately, what, you're, what the organization you're working for is making money from checking contracts or you supporting a business that is selling something mm. so so for me is 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 uh, if if i'm in a business to 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 exploit an opportunity it's exciting so so as far as i'm concerned i'm it's my natural abilities to talk about it look at opportunities uh advise people on things that i may have learned and i don't know everything so so and i'm learning all the time so so i find it fascinating just just reading stuff even mm. uh something that's exciting just to for the sake of knowing what is going on I find that there are people who are good at that, where they can be passionate about any business, whatever it is that the business does, like yourself, when yeah. you talk about being an advisor and that sort of thing. And there are people who need to do a business that is based on their one particular skill set and passion. Yes. I, I made an analogy of if I was good at making shoes, there are some people who, they're good at making shoes and they'll probably do well in a shoe business yes. if they open that, but they, they might not do so well selling furniture. Absolutely, absolutely. Because they'll spend the extra time perfecting what they're doing, mm. and and when something new comes on, they'll be the first people to look at that. Yeah. And 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 as soon as they walk into a trade show and they see something new, they'll stop and listen to it. Where somebody else will simply walk by, will simply not know uh, that this is some kind of stitching that's happening, or somebody else saying, "Well, this is a leather upper," or or, or what's the difference between between something that is molded or bonded versus something that is stitched. Yeah, you know, those kinds of things. Those kind of things are very important. Are very important in that to a particular person. business. I mean, I give you an example. You know, uh, uh, my father-in-law was in the clothing industry, and he's shown me a few things on a on a pair of pants that I never knew existed. Uh, he'd look at some uh, types of stitching that that you and I would simply yeah. go out, buy a pair of pants, and we put it on, and we wouldn't think about it. Mm. But if he picked up a pants, he would be turning it inside out, having a look at the zip structure, having a look at. But that's that's because you're in that business and you have an interest. Yes. So it's a similar thing on any other, other other area. Is that if you have this this uh, inclination to investigate, like, and you you in that space, that's that I think you got a better chance of success than than somebody coming out and and not really having that interest. I suppose. I mean, on the flip on the flip side, I was going to say. Uh, can it be detrimental if you care too much? For example, um, you might want the more expensive zip on those pants, the better stitching. It costs more 
money and it takes a little bit more time. So in terms of your profit margin, it might actually make it less because it makes the pants more expensive, yeah. so on and so forth. Absolutely. I think you can become a bit of a perfectionist and, and that then, then it's at the cost of everything else. I think I was watching something on DSTV where they were talking about, is it the San Francisco bridge or uh, where the, the guy who actually designed the bridge, his name is not on the side of it. Why? Uh, because he was a perfectionist and actually what he, in terms of design, he wanted things added and things changed to get this p- perfect bridge where his partner was more the businessman who wanted to get it built and make money. Mm. He, on the other hand, wanted to change design and have it perfect and have it in a certain way. And eventually he sent him off on a holiday and, uh, eventually fired him. And, and ultimately the, the, <laughs> the guy who designed the bridge, his name is not on the side of the bridge, but the, but the person who, who built it, who built it yeah. is. Wow. And, and that's when perfection really gets in the way of, of sound. Yeah. You know, there there has to come a point where you, you, your business about it. Correct. Where you can say, look, for now, we're just making pants. Correct. Pants that are affordable. That more people can buy. Yes. And then when we get to a certain level. Yes. With that business, then we're going to make the best stitched pants with the best zip and buttons in the world. Sure. And it doesn't matter if those pants cost 10,000 rand a pair. Yes. Yes. The fact is we only have to sell three. Correct. Correct. Because we're selling all these other ones. That's right. Or or, or the market is expecting it. They're asking for it. They have knowledge of it. And there's something that you want. Then you get to that level where you can. I think otherwise you have to have a balance. You have to say it's a, it's a volume decision, right? So, so if you want to make more money, you're going to have to sell a decent amount of volume at a certain price. Mm. So in your second example, you'd have to sell fewer. I mean, the volume would be low, but the price would be too high. And, and that would, that's how you would make your money versus, okay, I'm going to sell a lot of these, but at a lower price. And, and therefore I'm going to, um, you know, it's economically viable to do that. So, so that's the, you know, there is a, there is a stage where, being too much of a perfectionist can hold you back, I think. Definitely. I mean, I look at our own uh, South African uh, industry when it comes to uh, film and television. And some of the film, uh, the television shows and, and films, in fact, that have gone on to do well from a business point of view are not the best made, especially when it comes to uh, the quality and the, and the amount of money that was spent on the production. Um, but those production companies are the ones that are still working, whereas the ones that put all the money yes. into the production at the expense of the business are no longer around. Exactly right. Exactly so it's just getting right. that balance. So it is, it is getting the balance. I think the, the, the entertainment industry, that is one of the things. That's why sometimes you get the feeling that this is a canned show because it, the people are basically saying, well, we've got to repeat this a hundred times. We're going to find a formula and we're going to stick to this formula and we're going to run this formula for as long as possible. And sitcoms do the same thing and, and they're on a, it's a formula driven thing. I mean, I think they it don't, works. they don't come every single week. And so well, what are we going to do this week? Yeah. But it's already decided. We're going to, we're going to have these many scenes. This is how we're going to shoot it. In they, this particular studio, right? Yeah. That's this is just it. hearsay for me from the outside. I have never been on the, on the other side of the table to actually you're, you're, witness it. You're pretty good actually from what you just <laughs> said. It's, it's pretty much how it happens. Correct. We're, yeah. we're, uh, I'm assuming the director who wanna, wants to make a statement is going to, going to spend a lot more time uh, planning and, 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 uh, shooting his scenes in various areas and places. And that's a different thing altogether. Yeah. That's exactly how it happens. And I think, uh, in any business, the sooner you get a system going, the sooner you can get the business going. But on yep. that note, we're about to get out of here. Did you want to say something to say good before we say goodbye? Cause we literally have five seconds left. No, no, no. I was just saying it's, 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 everybody's got to eventually find the thing that's right for them and then go with it. 
That's right. Well, we're going to be out of here. Here's a man who found exactly what works for him. Uh, and that's Jay-Z, Jigger Man. And he's done very well for it. We'll see you next week. From me to Misha Masha, this was Black Life only on Cliff Central. Neck, take it a finger snap. She like, listen, Jigger Man, I don't care if you rap. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T. This is CliffCentral.com.